Hello and welcome to Strip Back to Pages. In this first episode of 2023, I thought I'd share a few sneak peeks into what you can expect over the coming weeks, together with a few of my plans for the year, including a brand new feature for this show. And then, it's all over the news, spare. Let's have a look at what's being said. Let's get into it. I'm NJ, and the first thing I must do is wish you a belated Happy New Year. I trust you had a great Christmas, even though it is a few weeks ago now. Are you relaxed? Reinvigorated? Ready to go? I'm really excited about the things I've got lined up for this show over the coming months, and my own personal goals. It's going to be incredible. One of my New Year's resolutions was to think a lot more positively, rather than worst case scenario which I've always been an absolute expert at, and I mean a total expert. I've found some absolutely fantastic techniques to do this, and they are working. It's so simple, but it's all about self-belief. Maybe one of these days I'll do an episode on it. So how about you? Have you made some New Year's resolutions? Are you keeping to them? As we all know, being focused is key. Here are my plans for this year. First of all, I'm going to finish my website, which is being built by Chris Ryan Taylor, the owner of Hostcat Web Design. I'll put his details in the show notes. Now, let me tell you something about Chris. He's just a lovely, lovely guy, highly professional, friendly. He's just great. In 22 years, Chris has created 3,800 websites and has got 313 five-star reviews. That says it all. Just brilliant. He's one of those people you just want to work with. Chris is quite simply superb and I can't praise him enough. And once that website goes live, I'll tell you all about it. So if you need a website, go to Hostcat Web Design. You'll find all Chris's details in the show notes, but it's www.hostcat.co.uk. Next up, as you know, a bit later in the year, I'm launching my debut novel. Now talk about excited. I'll share more about this closer to the time. Watch this space. Over the next few weeks, we can look forward to a book review and general chat with Steph Goodacre. I'll be talking again with Christine Phillips about the methods she used to write her book utilising a ghostwriter, and I'm in discussions with another fabulous author who will hopefully be able to join us in the not-too-distant future. Jess Haynes will also be back as we continue reviewing some of the classics, as we look at works written by the likes of Charles Dickens, Lewis Carroll, H.G. Wells, and I'm sure others will be added to that list. Readers love them, and as authors we can learn so much from their work. Equally important, of course, are the new releases. And there's one in particular that has taken the world's attention by storm. I seriously don't even need to name it. We all know it's Prince Harry's memoir, Spare, which was the number one bestseller on Amazon UK before it was even published. It was second on Amazon's bestseller list six days ago. Can you believe it? The book is tipped to be the number one bestseller for the whole year and is released 31 years after the late Princess Diana's book, Diana, Her True Story, written by Andrew Morton. Her book was published by Michael O'Mara Books on the 16th of June 1992, just five years before her tragic and untimely death. So, back to spare. Prince Harry's memoir is the fastest-selling non-fiction book of all time, 
recording figures of 400,000 copies sold so far across hardback, ebook, and audio formats on its first day of official publication. We of course know it was released in Spain last week before the official launch date, as evidenced by all the attention it's received over the last few days. But I've just found this out, that apparently customers in Spain were reportedly told that they would not be sent to receipt until the 10th of January, and were asked not to share its contents on social media before that date. <laughs> Interesting. So, the big question, what is the public opinion? I'm actually getting confused because I'm seeing some pretty big contradictions. According to a Mail Online poll, 95% of readers say Prince Harry should be stripped of his royal titles. And yet over 400,000 copies of his book were sold on day one. To me, that doesn't make sense. If you totally don't agree with something, you don't buy the book. Or are people buying it so they can read it for themselves and then make an informed opinion? Now, people who know me know that I have got quite a wild sense of humour. And this really tickled me. Did you know that a bookshop in Swindon placed Prince Harry's tell-all memoir? Are you ready for this? Next to Bella Mackay's How to Kill Your Family. Clearly the shop wanted to mock the Duke of Sussex's attack on his own family. Apparently royal commentators have claimed that the Duke is seeking to tarnish the royal family's reputation by airing his frustrations in public. Some even alleging that the Duke is trying to bring down the monarchy. I don't believe that, but I do believe that one day Prince Harry will regret his decision. I think his reason for writing it was he was upset and wanted to be heard. But what went so terribly wrong? We know one thing, something did. And there's another question that must be asked about the book. Was he pressured to finish what he'd started? What we know now is Prince Harry thought twice about publishing it. It's believed that the Prince wanted to cancel the publication when he came here for the late Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations in June last year. I read in the press that Princess Diana actually regretted publishing hers in the end. What are your thoughts? Write in. Tell me what you think, and I'll share it on the next show. There's one further thing that springs to mind for me, and that's this. As I'm sure you would, I would love to see, more than anything, the King, Prince William, Prince Harry, and the rest of the family to find a way of reconciling. That would be the ultimate. Have things gone too far? A lot certainly happened and a lot's been said. I think it takes someone very special to be able to forgive. But of course, both sides have to be able to do that. And then who knows? We've already been told that King Charles would love to reconcile. And we know that Prince Harry wants the same. But publishing a book like Spare is not the way to go about it. Because what Prince Harry's done is he's made himself very, very unpopular with the British public. His ratings are just going down and down. They're dropping lower and lower. I'm guessing this whole situation will be touching families who have got rifts. Deep rifts. Maybe something good can come out of this. I'd love to think that was possible. I think I may be having some very interesting conversations about this over the next few weeks. Because I will bring it up. It's an important topic. And I believe what we think about it says a lot about us. Things have definitely been said that shouldn't have been. And the problem is, of course, once you've said them, you can't retract them. I think that's something we all learn. I guess I have to say, congratulations on achieving such an incredible record. 400,000 sales in one day. But for me, 
the price is too high. Right, moving swiftly on. I'd now like to introduce you to a new segment of this show that I'll do whenever it's just you and me. However, be prepared for a surprise or two. You have been warned. Welcome to NJ's Interlude of Disbelief. As I was doing my research, I came across a quite shocking story and I couldn't quite believe what I was reading. Well, sadly, actually I could. And I do. Here's the detail of this shocking account. Dated May the 26th last year by the Associated Press, a woman who wrote an essay entitled How to Murder Your Husband was convicted of murdering him. Apparently there was a jury of seven women and five men who found Nancy Crampton Brophy, 71, guilty of second-degree murder. She was sentenced to life in prison. Apparently the killer was a self-published romance novelist and she fatally shot her husband four years ago. It was reported that the 63-year-old was killed on the 2nd of June 2018 as he prepped for work at the Oregon Culinary Institute in southwest Portland. He was shot twice. Once in the back as he was preparing ice and water buckets for his students and then at close range in the chest. There was no sign of robbery or forced entry and Brophy's wallet with cash and credit cards was found with him. Crampton Brophy showed no visible reaction after the jury deliberated for over two days in relation to Chef Daniel Brophy's death. The jury was told by the prosecutors that the murder was motivated by money problems and a life insurance policy. Nancy Brophy's writing career was floundering as she became more financially desperate. So she hatched a plan. She owned the same make and model of the gun used to kill her husband, a Glock 9mm handgun, and was seen on surveillance camera footage driving to and from his place of work. In addition, investigators discovered that she had a ghost gun that was later found at a storage facility. A ghost gun is a homemade firearm that lacks commercial serial numbers and is therefore unregistered and can't be traced. Had her plan been successful, she would have collected more than $1.5 million from multiple life insurance policies and other assets. Lisa Maxfield, one of Crampton Brophy's attorneys, said the defence team plans to appeal. Crampton Brophy's defence was that she had no reason to kill her husband because their financial problems had largely been solved by cashing in a chunk of Brophy's retirement savings plan. The more I look at this, the more interesting it gets. Police never found the gun that killed Brophy. It was alleged that Crampton Brophy swapped out the barrel of the gun used in the shooting and then discarded the barrel. In the crowded Multnomah County courtroom, defence attorneys said the gun parts were the inspiration for Crampton Brophy's writing and suggested someone else might have killed Brophy during a robbery gone wrong. Crampton Brophy testified during the trial that she'd parked near the Connery School in order to work on her writing. She claimed that her presence there was purely coincidental. Crampton Brophy's detailed account outlined various options for committing an untraceable killing and professed a desire to avoid getting caught. Circuit Judge Christopher Ramrus decided to exclude the essay from the trial because it was published in 2011. However, a prosecutor pointed to the essay's themes without naming it after Crampton Brophy took the stand. In his closing statement, the court's senior deputy district attorney, Sean Overstreet, 
said that Nancy was the only person who had a motive to kill her husband. He said it wasn't just about the money, but about the lifestyle that Dan couldn't give to her. News of the murder shocked the local Portland community, and Crampton Brophy's work really came to light. As a writer of romance and suspense, Crampton Brophy said she spent a lot of time thinking about murder and consequently about police procedures. The essay was split into sections detailing the pros and cons of killing a villainous husband. Crampton Brophy wrote, If the murderer is supposed to set me free, I certainly don't want to spend any time in jail. And let me say clearly for the record, I don't like jumpsuits and orange isn't my colour. It's ironic that the jury didn't even need to read her story to work out the verdict. The woman who set out to commit the perfect murder got caught. So there you have it. I thoroughly enjoyed the break, but it's great to be back. Don't forget, if you need a website, go to www.hostcat.co.uk and have a chat to Chris. You'll find his details in the show notes. Now there's one more person I must add, and that's my very good friend, Leighton Morell of Glasshouse Studios. As you've probably noticed, I've reworked my introductory theme tune, and Leighton has not only mastered that, but also my outro. Thanks, Leighton. If you're looking for a composer for any original music, let me know and I'd love to help. I'll remind you of my contact details shortly. If you need any recordings mastering, drop me a line and I'll happily pass any messages on to Leighton. You can reach me either by emailing stripbackthepages at gmail.com or via Twitter at stripbackpages. As always, thank you for listening and I trust you have a fantastic week. This is your host, NJ, signing off. <laughs>